You're listening to How She Creates. I'm your host, Lauren Hooper. This podcast is for the curious, the wanderer and the wanderers, the playful and the joyful. Every week, we're going to explore how to design a life full of creativity and whimsy. Now let's get curious and go explore something. This interview is a part of the How She Creates Good series. In these interviews, I get to shine a light on women who are using art and their creativity to empower others, advocate for social justice, and bring healing to our beautiful world. This series serves to educate, bring attention to amazing organizations, and inspire you to use your creativity for good. Welcome to How She Creates. I am so grateful that you are here. Today's episode is going to be a fun one. And I think this is the first time we're covering this art form. So I'm really excited that we're diving into something new today. I have with me Kim Lewis of Kim Lewis Designs, and I can't wait for you guys to meet her. Kim, thank you for being here. Thank you, Lauren. I love that. I'm excited to be the the front runner for your interior design creativity podcast. That's so exciting. And I'm so honored to be here. Yeah, we're so, so excited to meet you and learn more about your story. Can you give us just a quick introduction to who you are and what you do and where we can find you? Yes, my name is Kim Lewis and I live in Austin, Texas. And I own a company, an interior and architectural design firm called Kim Lewis Designs. And I have been operating that since 2012. And before that, I was the lead design producer for Extreme Makeover Home Edition. So that's kind of where where I got my start in my creative career. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more later. But um, I live in a tiny home with my husband, my one-year-old little girl named Sunny, an 85-pound lab, and a baby on the way uh, due in November. (laughs) So we we are comically outgrowing the tiny home. but I was born and raised in Texas and, you know, they say everything's bigger in Texas and I'm proof that that's just not true. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I love everything about your life. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, it's, not so glamorous. Okay, and- it's not glamorous at all, by the way. I mean, if you're thinking about living in a tiny home, please reach out to me. I have some, you know, I have good and bad things as with anything. Oh yeah. And we're definitely going to talk about that some more. <laughs> Um, but we're going to pause because I did not know that you were on Extreme Home Makeover. Yes, that's actually where I really, I, I've always been creative. I mean, since I was a little girl, I remember my babysitter telling me at the age of like seven, you're going to be an artist when you grow up. Now I would go back and correct her and I, I would say we are all artists, Um uh, but she saw it in me. And so, but Extreme Makeover Home Edition was my first real outlet for creativity. I had graduated from Texas A&M. I'm an Aggie. I thought I wanted to work in advertising and graphic design and did that for one year out of college and realized it was too much just behind the scenes of a computer. I really wanted to get, I I really like rolling on my sleeves and like jumping in the dirt. And so I call it like um, boots on the ground. And so construction and, and design kind of was intriguing to me and architecture has always been intriguing and I went to work for a furniture importer in Austin 
and worked there for two years, met the producers of Extreme Makeover Home Edition, which this was at the height of the show. It was season three. There were 17 million viewers. I mean, it was the most popular, one of the most popular shows on ABC Sunday nights. And uh, they asked me if I would help them with some furniture because I was working with this furniture company. And I said, yes, traveled out to Oklahoma. The next day they asked if I wanted a job. And I was like, what? Um, to be honest, Lauren, I I am going to admit a little secret. I had never designed a room before when they hired me. <gasps> oh, yeah. my gosh. I had never designed, which is kind of beautiful proof that you really can't, you know, that slogan, fake it till you make it. Um, mm-hmm. it. I do kind of understand that now. I used to think that was a strange thing to say, but I do believe that now. I think you can pursue whatever your dreams are. And I said yes, because I saw it as this opportunity to do three three things that I love. I love designing. I mean, I loved creativity no matter what. I love traveling and I love helping people at the core of who I am. So that job was just kind of like a, a dream job. I worked on the show for eight years, which is a very long time. It was basically like living with the circus, no doubt. I mean, I was in a plane three to four times a week. We would build 25 homes a year. Um, I was managing a team of, I ended up being the lead designer and I managed a team of 30 carpenters, designers. Um, it was it was a wild, wild ride. So I left Texas, moved out to Los Angeles and lived there for eight years on the show. Um, but I traveled all over. I mean, name a small town USA and I've probably been there and built a house there. <laughs> like, so, um, but I really learned how that was, um, you know, a way to use creativity to help people in real time. Oh my goodness. You're like the poster child for this series. This is amazing. You guys, I'm like a little embarrassed that I didn't even know this about you when I asked you to come on. <laughs> well, it's, no, it's okay. I, it's, 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 it feels like this past life, you know, when I think back, it was, it really was a dream job and, um, it feels like this other strange life that when I tell people about it, it's like I'm talking about someone else's world or life. And But it was truly, truly cool. And you know, it's back on the air or it's about to come back on the air on HGTV. Yes, I've been seeing that. Um, we, we've we lived out of the States for a long time, so it's hard for me to watch TV like that. Um, so I really have to dig for it. But now I'm going to go back and like find some old episodes to find you. <laughs> well, I'm always behind the scenes, so I I would <gasps> appear like a volunteer. Um, so oh, yeah, you okay. Won't, you won't see much of me. You'll you know there were a few shows I was on, but most of the time I was just like fluttering like a little busy bee in the background, um, blending when, in with the volunteers. But that show, honestly, Lauren was it felt almost like Habitat for Humanity on steroids. It it really was this like give back. Um, platform. And we did a lot more good than you could even kind of capture in the 42 minute episode on a television show. All these beautiful things would happen and stories and people coming together. And we called it sort of the old barn raising of America, like where you actually stop and help your neighbor. And um, so it was just a beautiful chapter of life and learning that that's actually where I coined my nickname, which, or my team coined it for me is Kim Possible. 
um, because I wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> Um, which when you're operating under such extreme con- circumstances, you, you realize like, no, I'm really not going to say, I'm not going to take no, like we're going to find a way to make this happen. Um, so we really did build the houses in five days and, um, the show claimed seven, but it was actually five and yeah, I drew all the homes and ran the team and it was uh, one of the hardest parts was always trying to top the next week. It's like you just when you thought you had done the most creative out there unique thing the next week the producers were pushing you to to make it even better. And but you're like, but what about I just did this? Like I don't know how I topped that, you know, next week. And so it was exhausting and exhilarating at the same time. Oh my gosh, there, there's so I have so many questions. So, okay, so how how did you keep going every week to come up with a brand new full house? Like that's not like a painting. That's a full house. That's a lot of ideas in one big idea. Yes, it was. I would say, you know, you surround yourself with a really good team. We had a, a really an incredibly talented team of designers that really had a heart behind all of it and worked relentlessly. I mean, we would stay up. 54 hours straight. And I remember literally using a ream of copy paper as a place to take a nap for like a pillow in the trailer. Um, so it was tireless, but you really just, I, I would say like the way we kept doing it was you would always go back to who you were building for and what made them tick and how you could tell their story or how you could brighten their life. And if you could just keep it about the family or the little girl or little boy or, you know, soldier, veteran that you were building for, then you could tap into what would be a beautiful gift for them. And that was probably one of the, you know, the ways we could keep doing it. It could keep going. We had producers on one side pushing us to just go, 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 you know, do bigger, 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 more extreme things. But then if you could always keep it about the family that became the centerfold or tried to remain the centerfold of what we were doing and why we were doing it. Well, we can just end the show here because that was all so much better than any of the questions that I had planned. Um, (laughs) Well, I will, I will say I'm like, if I have to do one more little baseball room for a boy or a princess room for a girl, I'm going to croak. I mean, it's like, you're like, how in the world do we make a princess castle cooler next time? I will. The, one of the craziest things we ever did, and this was, this is just funny. We, we were building for a family that was helping uh, deliver water filtration systems to Haiti. And he was a pilot on the side. So he had a little plane, like a Cessna or something, and he loved flying. They lived in Cocoa Beach, Cal- or Cocoa Beach, Florida. And um, I got this crazy idea, and it's kind of ironic and funny. I was on a plane, a Southwest plane traveling, and thought, what if we could put a plane in the house? And um, it seems kind of just silly. But I actually called Southwest Airlines, who was a partner of the show, and asked for a fuselage, like remnant of a fuselage, because, you know, they have airplane graveyards. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they 
Uh, I'm sure they thought I sounded like this little 12 year old girl. Like, who is this? And what is she asking for? But it, they ended up doing it. They sent us a 26 foot section of a plane and we put it in the foyer of a, of a home. It was incredible. What? Yes. I will never forget watching the crane carry this 26 foot section of a fuselage over the roof and dropping it into the framework of the home. And I thought, okay, this is probably the craziest thing we've ever done, but it looked really cool. It kind of acted as the hallway, the wall of the hallway. And so you turn the corner and the, the seating of the plane was our, what we called our first class dining for the kitchen. Oh my gosh. So, so if they ever sell the house, do they have to like sell it plain included? That's I, like, I I don't know. You know, they they the families would sign a contract that they had to leave the house as is for one year and then after that they could do whatever they wanted, but um I don't think they'll ever sell it. It's way too cool. I wouldn't Right. Um, yeah, why would you sell that? It's definitely one of the most extreme projects we ever did. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. We're going to have to find pictures of that to, to add oh, yeah. into the show notes. I, oh, yes. They're on my website, actually, kimlistdesigns.com. I'll send you the link. It's, it's a pretty phenomenal thing. Okay. Awesome. You guys, we'll have links to all of the things we're going to talk about and to Kim, of course, in the show notes at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. Um, and you can see all of this, of course, on Kim's website. Okay. So... This is so cool. Um, what is your creative process like when you are designing a room? Yes. Um, my creative process, kind of what I was just saying, it starts with who who or what I'm designing for. Um, I treat design and interior design as, like, my job is to be a storyteller uh, because the space should reflect who or what you're building for and the intention. I always go back to the intention of what we're trying to achieve um, emotionally, psychologically, all of that. So really knowing who your customer client is. We, we do a lot of commercial spaces, so a lot of restaurants and a lot of new startup brands we help, which I love them because they are kind of fishing through those questions of who are they and how do they tell their story. And so getting to be a part of that laying of the groundwork creatively is really intriguing to me from a marketing standpoint. And um, so we start there and, and, and build up uh, from a brand perspective. I personally am a writer and it's, you know, when I find that I feel like empty in my creative process, I generally will go back to writing and that will help me kind of tap back into my soul. Um, we, as creatives, we kind of, we have to have those quiet moments of reflection and quiet moments of um, just inner peace to be able to produce because creatives are constantly giving to the world and constantly outpouring and if you're not doing something to kind of fill yourself up and be inspired it, it can be a very draining um, process and so writing and traveling are the things that really fill me up 
and uh, and I love like frequently frequenting new restaurants and things like that around town because um, it's fun to see what other people are doing and you know just kind of uh, let myself be let myself experience other things as a customer would and so it kind of keeps you on your feet on your toes in the industry and so yeah it's always about though going back to who and what who you're building for and what the intention is. And I'm really into character driven design. And I say that because I want people, I really like pushing people out of their comfort zone. I love color in the, in the industry I'm known for being very colorful and I would use the word whimsical um, because I like spaces to have personality and, um, like I'm never going to just go flip through a catalog and order the whole like room collection that I'd, I'd rather pieces feel gathered and um, pulled together and uh, tell a story. So like, for example, our house, everything in our house has been gathered. I mean, I look around and I can tell you like, oh, this, you know, there's all these little things on the walls and shelves and they all point back to some place that I may have traveled to or we traveled together as a family or even our dishware. We just got it in Thailand. And um, so it's all about storytelling for me in the process. I love that image that you used of gathering. I think that's a really powerful and really good way to describe how we kind of create our home and collect those items versus decorating, you know, and placing things on a wall gathering just feels so much more um, connected to me. So what would you say your home design style is for you personally, if people Mm -hmm. haven't seen the pictures? Yeah. um, I would say it's very bohemian, eclectic, global because so many things are brought from other places um and colorful we I have a purple stove and a mint green refrigerator (laughs) um and the backdrop is pretty neutral but I like using pops of color in deliberate spaces um I love textiles to me textiles and books and things that make spaces feel homey are what I gravitate toward and then I am an artist so I love I love having a lot of art around and um, even like in our kitchen shelves, I have art leaning on the open shelving, which you don't think of putting art in a kitchen, but the kitchen is the home of the, you know, the heart of the home. And I, I want my kitchen to feel warm and fuzzy and not just like stacked with dishes and, you know, cold. And so a, a kitchen can have a lot of finishes in it that are very cold, like tile and the sink and the cabinetry is all hardwood. And, you know, so when you start layering in things like books, even if they're recipe books or art, it's kind of just a breath of fresh air. It makes it feel more warm. So where my, my, my designs are always very warm, but, but kind of a little bit funky. And I usually have some thread of uh, vintage or reclaimed pieces in there just for that character. Yes, I can definitely attest to that from having uh, looked through your work. Okay, but what you said sounds like a contradiction if people haven't seen photos of things you've done. You know, you talk about lots of layering and books and trinkets and blankets and things. Um, 
but you live in a tiny house. How do you have all of that stuff in a tiny house? But also when I look at pictures of your designs, it's not cluttered. Um, So how do you balance that, you know, in your personal life, living in a tiny house, but also in your designs of wanting to bring in those, you know, living pieces like books and photos and knickknacks, but balance it with not being cluttered and overwhelmed. I love that you pointed that out because we actually are not minimalist. I I want to say that loud and clear. I even just my career comes with having lots of things, samples and paint decks and I'm constantly toting bags in and out of the tiny home. And so we are we are not minimal, minimalist, which has made it harder to do the tiny home thing, but we have been able to pare down to what's most important. Um I would say the number one thing is really just dedicating a space for everything and um, not being afraid to have those kind of layered elements. Um, you know, I, you know, they, they, it's funny on extreme makeover, one of the designers, his motto was less is more. The other designer who was completely opposite, uh, he said more is more. <laughs> so it's like, how do you find that balance for yourself? I think it's just, being sure that the things that you do have are important to you and purposeful. And if you can find a way to make things that are functional also have beautiful form, then now we're getting to a space where the things that are on my shelves, while I use them, they are also beautiful and um, they're beautiful to look at and they make me think of a happy place. My dishes literally are a perfect example We were recently in Thailand, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second, but we found this company that has this amazing, you know, artist that does ceramic dishes. And um, Joey and I've been living with Ikea dishes for years, and they totally work just fine. But we also love being in the kitchen and cooking. He he loves cooking. I'm not really the cook, but we love entertaining. And so the dishes are something we're constantly, you know, using, and I have open shelving in the kitchen. And so the dishes are now a piece of artwork they're they're beautiful handmade pieces that we use every day and i'll tell you Lauren the difference of reaching up and getting some a handmade bowl to eat cereal out of versus you know the ones i used from ikea which nothing was wrong with it just feels so different it feels so much more um it's got more depth and i smile when i like get my bowl down it sounds so silly but I'm a big, big proponent of handmade things. I, I believe we should surround ourselves with, with handmade, um, handmade as much as we can because it gives back to the artist community. Well, you're in the right place here. And I, I agree yes. with that intentionality. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It just, it does, it changes things when you, you know, you're like, I chose these dishes or this blanket, you know, versus, because this is how we live. So we, um, you know, live all over the world and we move school to school and they provide us with housing and they fully furnish our house. So we always start with a base that is hotel furniture essentially. And then we have to slowly bring things in and it makes all the difference. Even, you know, right when we move somewhere and we're living in the hotel furniture, but I can pull out my, you know, beautiful blanket that I picked out and I chose and use that. It makes all the difference. And 
Uh, yeah, I hope this just encourages people when they are choosing things for their home to be more intentional and to think of the, the life that it brings instead of just, oh, I need a blanket. That one's blue. Let's go. Yes. I love that so much, Lauren. And um, I didn't know y'all live that way. That is really cool and intriguing. And um, I would encourage listeners to go back to that word gather and not feel if you have an, a space you're trying to remodel or a new home, or I would say don't rush the process and let let the items kind of come to you and be a curated motion of design rather than going out in, in a frenzy and trying to just make it all look like one pretty package tied in a bow and a you know quick turnaround. Uh, that's coming from the girl that worked on Extreme Makeover and built houses in five days. I mean, I <laughs> we we had to do it that way. But I would say in your own personal space, take the time to gather the pieces that make the space about you. Yes. Oh, that is such a good, um, good challenge. Okay. So we always try and give a challenge. So if you have a piece that you feel like you have, um, you know, chosen that brings you so much joy, snap a picture of it and share it with us on the, how she creates hashtag. So we can see, um, some of the items that you have gathered. Uh, we would love to see those. Yeah. Um, I would okay. love to see that. So we have talked a lot about ways that you have used your creativity to create good in the world in the past, but can you share more of how you're doing it today? Yes. Um, one of our favorite, favorite projects and our motto at the company is design can change lives. And that's because of what I saw. And, um, I, I only want to keep creating if I know it's doing something good in the world. And if it's doing something positive to inspire and um, encourage and empower people. And so I actually met uh, Meg Bourne with Art Feeds on and, and Brooke uh, on Extreme Makeover. One of my, it was actually my last episode in Joplin, which is kind of funny. I feel like I stuck with that show just long enough and it was the right time. Uh, I got, it's like, I got all the way to the end and I met, I met Art Feeds and it feels like that is exactly who I was supposed to meet. Uh, we partnered together and I've been on their board of directors ever since, but we are working uh, with two nonprofits, uh, Touch a Life and Rafa House to build creative art centers for children that have been rescued from trafficking. And so my last episode of Extreme Makeover, Meg, like she and I had become fast friends and she approached me in the middle of the chaos of constructing uh, 10 houses on one street, sorry, seven houses on one street in, in seven days. She said, do you want to come to Ghana with us this summer and build an art center for um, children? And I said, yes, like sign me up. And so we jumped on a plane that summer, went out to Africa and built this art center that was um, that is still being used for healing. And what we've found is that, you know, these children are coming out of a, a world of trafficking and slavery where they've been constantly, almost robotically told what to do. And they lost their sense of imagination if they ever had it to begin with. Um, nobody's fostered it for sure. And to be able to go into a space and give them a platform where they can use, start learning how to use their imagination again, which is quite frankly, I believe their most powerful tool. Um, and to be able to just be a kid again, it is so beautiful. And 
I, my personal story behind this and why I'm so passionate about it is because when I was 10, I actually lost my mom and she got sick with cancer when I was six and I lost her when I was 10. And so I have been a child that feels um, abandoned in a way, not that she could help it, but abandoned and needing an outlet for grieving and um, healing and how I could, the way I went through that process myself was through art and painting and dance and those art forms. And it wasn't until I really tapped into that, that I could start healing and writing. And so I know the power of creativity for a child and how it can heal and change and shift the course of their future because it did for me. And so I feel like I'm supposed to, my purpose here in in life is to give back to children and to be able to create a platform for that. And so we are working still with Art Feeds and Rafa House and Touch a Life. And we have, since that last episode of Extreme Makeover, we've built art centers in Ghana, West Africa, um, two in Cambodia, Siem Siem Reap and Battenbong. And then we just finished one in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And then I also did a little side project down in Honduras for at-risk teenagers um, where we created a creative space for them. And so it's honestly learned they're my favorite projects. I live for them. We volunteer. We're not, it's not a paid thing, but it's just part of the core of my company and I will remain, I'll keep doing it. My vision and our vision as a team is if we, the more we can build these, the more we feel like we can offer this really powerful platform to help children heal uh, from abandonment and trauma and create, you know, the, just the creative process. And we've seen that it really, really works. First, nothing surprises me about your story about how you and Meg met and how you hopped on a plane together. Um, We have interviewed, we've interviewed Meg on the show and we've talked to Whitney who worked for Rafa house. So we have a lot of, a lot of, interviews around this if you guys want to dig more into that. And so you guys will see exactly what Kim is talking about when you hear Meg's episode. Um, And second, I love that you were a recipient of this. You, You saw what creativity can do to create good, and now you're turning around and do it, doing it yourself. Um, That is such a beautiful story and cycle to hear um, of how, of how it's actually helping people. You know, we've been talking about this on the podcast, you know, for months now about how we can use our creativity to create good. And I love that you shared that perspective for us that we can see how what we're doing is, is making a big and good impact. So, yes. And I think you can do it anywhere. You don't have to travel to these crazy places, but, um, it can be something you do right at home, but um, we've had the privilege to be able to go and help um, children really far away. And we really try to stay connected to them when we leave too. And uh, Meg, is in, Meg and her team are very adamant about making sure the curriculum is staying on target after we leave. How do we sustain it and keep it going? How do we keep the staff trained so that these spaces are being utilized with really intentional curriculum and not just, you know, here's a package of crayons, go do what you want to do. Um, I will say this was just one little story that just happened in Thailand. And it's just a reminder of how we have to approach it from a gentle spirit at first, because uh, the victims have 
gone through so much. I handed a paintbrush to a little girl. She was a preteen probably. And, you know, it was this beautiful carved door and I had, I had done most of it because we actually build these as a surprise for the girls. And so at the last day they get to come in and see it all kind of extreme makeover style. Um, but she was there to help. And I handed her a paintbrush and said, you can paint this part of the door. And she, you know, looked at me with big eyes and kind of scared and, uh, in her broken English said, what, what color? And I said, I had, you know, 10 different colors on the floor she could choose from. And I said, any color, whichever color you want. And she could not pick a color and did not want to pick a color. And I think it's because she was afraid of being quote unquote wrong. And so I, I said three different times, very patiently, like any of these, you could do yellow, you could do blue, you can do pink, anything, whatever your heart desires. But it was, that was too much for her. And I finally realized like I actually needed to give her direction. And I said, why don't you just do, why don't you do this yellow? That would be really pretty. And she then confidently picked up the yellow can of paint and the paintbrush and went, went to town. But she needed that guidance at first. So their curriculum is there to help open up the mind, their mind and, and start realizing that the world is their oyster. I love the proverb, um, if you give a man a fish, he eats for the day. But if you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. These art centers, I believe, are teaching these children how to fish for their own lives. That is such an incredible work that is being done there. I just love following along with what Art Feeds is doing and just hearing stories like that. It is really incredible and just another um, just emphasis on how important this work is and how creativity does create so much good in the world. And so what are your suggestions? If people are like, okay, I'm so excited. I want to do something. What, where would you suggest they start? How can they use their creativity to create good? Uh, that's such a good, that's such a good question. I would say first off, don't be overwhelmed by it. Um, I, you know, look around and I see opportunities to help people in creativity everywhere. I mean, when, if I, if time were of no, you know, factor, I, I think of the nursing homes in your local community or, the hospitals in your community or even prisons in your community that people where places where people have been like somewhat forgotten maybe. Um, And like get a group of people together and do something special for a, 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 a local organization like a nursing home. I mean, can you imagine if you walked in and said, Hey, we would love to just serve you for a Saturday and paint the cafeteria. And you know, at the end of the day, design is all about connecting. It's about connection and it's a creativity is about connection and feeling alive in those moments. And if you can give someone else that feeling of connection through your service and time, what a huge gift. And I believe we all have that. We all have that ability. Our hands we're made to make things to please the eye. I read that one time and I believe our hands are also made to serve people and to help people. And so I feel like there's endless opportunities around you, whether it's through a church or through a, a you know, a hospital, children's hospital or a nursing home or, you know, just think of ways like you can pump life back into your community by giving them something um, like a, almost that Habitat for Humanity vision. Why, Kim? 
why do we need to make hospitals and nursing homes and prisons and our home colorful and beautiful? Why can't we just live in these white walls? Uh, <laughs> I hate, well, I like white walls as long as there's color. I, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, where do you go to get filled back up? You go home. And, you know, our, our world has to, we have to have a space around us that is comfortable and beautiful and inspiring. Um, and, you know, even as, even as detailed as organized to, to be able to go back out in the world the next day and do it all over again. Um, I, it's, it's like, I say, I say home fashion or things like this. They're kind of like, it's kind of like fashion. I never went to a school where we had to wear uniforms and I was kind of happy about that. But I, I believe we are all unique personalities and we all deserve something unique. And oftentimes our home or the place where we live is our biggest investment. And so why would you not make that palette, that canvas that you live in literally more who you are? And then if you look at places like a nursing home where maybe they can't do it themselves or a prison even where they've been, you know, forgotten and kind of, you know, left, why would we not give someone that that gift of happiness, joy, peace in their own space to rest? I believe that designing our homes in these places like what I'm talking about are an opportunity to create a platform to make everyone around us better people. And honestly, it's just a, a way to show love. Design is a way, creativity is a way to show love and pump life back into what can feel sometimes like a very mundane world. That is beautiful. I am writing that down. Um, I have a. I actually wrote this quote before we started. I this it's just something I wrote down. Creativity is a powerful tool that can heal and resurrect people from the mundane. I just wrote that amazing. this morning. You wrote that. Uh huh. This morning on the before I, I I'm getting up early these days because I have a one year old baby <laughs> and the only time I can have any moment to myself is literally it feels like four thirty a.m. Um and yeah I just was kind of preparing my heart for this and thinking about what I'm passionate about and I wrote that this morning creativity is a powerful tool that can heal and resurrect people from the mundane. Oh God that is so beautiful that's definitely going to be this week's cover art. Um. Ah, I love it so much. Okay, so you're touching on so many things that I want to ask you about. Um, okay, what if we are struggling? What are three quick tips that we can use to style our home to make it more beautiful, functional, and creative? Yes, I would say start with that word gathering and making it yours and 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 letting go of this feeling that there is a right or there is a wrong. There's no right or wrong when it comes to creativity. Um, I think as adults, we get really caught in that trap and um, the fear of, you kind of get paralyzed in fear with cre in creativity because you're not sure it's going to be good enough or whatever. Let go of that fear and just have fun with your space. There is no right or wrong. That's number one. Number two would be add some color, y'all. Like, just do it. I mean, it really does. There is a psychology in color. If you go back to the historical 
reasoning why we even have color in the first place. It's all about the pigments of the earth and where we live. And every color has some meaning behind it and it portrays some emotion. So whatever room you're in, think about what emotion you're trying to gather and or to get and go for that color. You look at the color purple and it was um, it, purple represents royalty because it was one of the hardest pigments to find in the earth, in the actual earth. And so it was reserved for royalty that could afford it um, thousands of years ago. And so add color. That's number two. Consider what color you might want to go down. And I would start with, because that can be an overwhelming gesture right there. Just start with what do you want the room to feel like? Do you want it to feel serene, peaceful, cheerful, energetic? All of those words I just said are associated with a color on our color wheel. The third, the third one I would say is add interior plants, plants everywhere, y'all. I just saw a funny quote that um, plant lady is the new cat lady. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm kind of a plant lady. And um, they add, not only do they add life um, in your space, but they literally improve the air quality in your home. And we, you know, if you're into construction or home design or anything, we work really hard to make sure our walls have been well insulated and, you know, our air conditions have the right filters and all this stuff. But the very simple truth is add some, add, add plants into your home and it will bring so much life to your space. It's a very simple way. And if you kill the plants and you have a, you know, a, not a green thumb, just, just try it again. You know, I've killed plenty of plants. Um, yep. I've killed a lot of plants. In fact, for my 30th birthday, my sister gave me an air plant and in the, and the card said, this plant does not require water or sunlight. I think you're going to be okay. (laughs) I was like, like, thanks a lot, sister. I don't know if that's really like, I feel like that's not a compliment that I can't keep a plant alive, but now I'm 38 and I'm keeping lots of plants alive. It just takes some time and learning how to nurture things. Those are fantastic tips. Um, and they're so simple and approachable and we can all do those things so easily. And I, I love your tip about color and just letting go of any expectations. You know, maybe you really love purple. When I always tell the story, when I was in third grade, my parents remodeled our house and my dad told me I could choose any color carpet I wanted and I chose purple. And yeah. I had purple carpet in my parents. There was purple carpet in my parents' house for years. And my mom still to this day is like, why did he do that? Why did he let you do that? Um, but just be brave. You know, you're an adult. You bought that house. You pay that rent. There's no reason that you can't put purple carpet in if that is what you want. Um, so don't worry about being Pinterest worthy or your neighbors, your mom judging what color your carpet is going to be. Choose colors that you like and just go for it. I think that's one of the biggest things that I think people fear when they're decorating. Um, so I love that you, you're giving a lot of permission to choose colors. I love that. <laughs> um, so, okay. So you have a baby, you're pregnant, you have a giant dog and you live in a tiny house. What made you decide, and first of all, you're an interior designer who has designed million-dollar homes. Why are you living in such a tiny house? Mm, it's a funny question. Um, from the outside looking in, I can see why that would look so strange. Um, 
I love traveling and I don't want to ever be in a place where I can't travel and explore the world. Um, I really feel most connected and grounded when I'm in a place that is unfamiliar with people that don't speak my language. And so when I was becoming a young adult, I did not want to get locked down somewhere. Um, I didn't want to plant my feet too hard into any soil. And so I, and then I was traveling, um, designing for extreme makeover. I designed homes and drew homes that were anywhere from 2,500 square feet to on average, probably closer to 3,500 square feet because a lot of the families had a lot of children. And I never, drawing those, I just couldn't see myself living in one. Uh, Then I went and worked as a design consultant for Tiny House Nation. Um, It was currently, back then it was on FYI. Um, Now it's on a different network. But I, as I was designing for these people, I would talk to the, you know, the couple or the single person that was wanting the tiny home. And I, I thought to myself, man, this is my tribe. Like, these are my people. I I was working with, you know, traveling nurses and musicians and artists and filmmakers and really creative souls. And they didn't want to feel like they couldn't uh, do the things that still make them tick by getting kind of plugged into a mortgage that took over their life. And so I thought I actually can, I can see myself living in a tiny home and I do love nature and being outdoors. And at this point in life, I was not married. Um, I went through a really tough divorce and I was in a place of uh, found myself single again at 33 and um, a, a place of like, kind of, here's a brand new slate. Where do you, where do you want to go? Where do you want to do? And the tiny home community just kind of drew me in. And then I met my husband and he was on board. Now, of course, you know, he brought the dog and then a year later we had a baby. Um, and so it's definitely a, a different lifestyle, but the reason that I initially did it is because I, I found myself in a I found myself in a, a rental bungalow with two bedrooms and the second bedroom was always packed with stuff and I didn't even use it. And that stuff creates a lot of stress and chaos in our lives that I that you don't need. And so I really liked the idea of only having the space that I really truly needed. And so and also being able to have disposable income at the end of the month that allowed me to still be able to travel and our tiny home will be paid off within the year, which is a huge feeling. We've lived here for two years, and that is very cool. Um, there, com- it comes with a lot of challenges and where you can park it and where you can put it and the utilities and things that could take an entire whole another podcast that I won't I won't go into. But um, it's not an easy lifestyle, and especially not with the baby. But there are moments, Lauren, that I'm so grateful that we have had this experience because uh, Sunny is very close to us and we, you know, we eat, we don't even have a, di- a dining table and we just bought a high chair and she's 13 months old. And um, so I, I realized like I, I sit on the floor with her and I eat um, dinner at night and and it feels okay that we don't have this like proper big dining table. We're on the floor together and life is good. We have food, you know? And so I've traveled enough to, I guess, just pare down, like, what do I really need in life and what, and what can I live without? And I love how I believe that will translate to Sunny, um, you know, and, and the way she grows up. I say all this, we are under contract on a house, so I'm not going to be a hypocrite. We're, 
we're looking at buying a house right now, but um, we're going to bring the tiny home with us because it's been such a special place for us. Um, but with another baby on the way, I, I don't think we can manage to babysit this place. <laughs> it's just too, it's too crazy. But we've loved our time here and it's taught us a lot of humility. What a countercultural way to live. I, oh, that makes me so happy. When we got married, we also decided that we wanted to travel and we never bought anything. And so we've never owned anything. Um, and everyone is, everyone is still so confused about why we don't own a house and we're in our thirties and we're like, because this is, that's just not our life. That's, this is what we're doing, you know? Um, so I love hearing someone else who, who feels the same and has those same, um, ambitions, but you are doing such a cool thing to have your house paid off in two years. What a revolution that could do in so many people's lives and their finances. I know, I know. And sadly, legislation and city municipalities have not made it easy to allow that kind of affordable income or affordable housing option for people. We still have a long way to go. I, I consider myself a pioneer in the tiny home world. Anybody that's actually doing the tiny home living is a pioneer because cities do not make it easy to do this for people. And I wish they would because it would offer it would offer so much for affordable housing and so much opportunity for families and homeless communities. Yeah. I mean, you could really change the course of, of how we live if municipalities would make it easier to live in a small home, a tiny home. But we're yeah, not there yet, but I do believe we're making progress and I do believe we're paving roads toward that. Um, if you are listening to this and you're like, yes, that is exactly what I want. I agree with that. I support that. Um, listen back to Quinn Tempest episode. It was just a few weeks ago and she talks about how to make change in your city um, as a part of this series. And so if you're like, I want to do something, I want to help, go listen to that episode if you want to use your creativity to create some good and make some changes in the housing markets in your city. Um, I love how all of these episodes are slowly weaving and connecting together. And I hope they're building a really beautiful roadmap for people who want to use their creativity to create good. Um, Kim, so how does living in a tiny house affect your creativity? I feel like everyone's like, that's interesting, but not for me. What does that do for your creativity? <laughs> um, I would say two things. Uh, there's a push and a pull. Um, we live on top of each other and I do have quite a lot of stuff. And so you don't feel like you have a lot of room to breathe when you're inside. Um, and that is, that's hard. You know, if I were to just want to stop and paint a picture, I would have to paint that pretty much outside. And so that's, that's the push is that it pushes me outside into nature, which is a, a, a source of inspiration for me. Um, and it pushes, yeah, pushes me literally outside of the walls. Um, I'm required to like last night I was, you know, walking around the patio and porch. Sunny's learning how to walk and it, there's quite frankly, more room to walk outside than inside. So we go outside. Um, I think that's the challenge, uh, trying to stay organized. I'm, I'm quite frankly, not good at it and never have been. 
And so I'm really not like a good poster child for that, but I am a poster child for real life, like hashtag real life struggles <laughs> in a tiny home. Um, we, you know, that would be probably the hardest part is that I'm also an entrepreneur, right? So I own my own company and I'm, uh, I operate a company of four other designers that in East Austin. And, um, so I'm, a, I'm a very hard worker and also a working mom and you, you tag all that onto living in a tiny home where you pretty much have to con- just constantly pick up and make sure it's organized. All of that creates a space that can be very, it is, it can be very overwhelming actually, but I'm not so, I'm not so convinced that being in a bigger home wouldn't, would, would change any of that. Um, it might give us more room to breathe, but you know, you, there's still ways you have to stay organized in your, in your own space to be able to think clearly. Um, so as a creative, I would say the tiny home has been a push and a pull. There are moments I feel like I can't breathe in here and I can't, you know, move around. And then there's other moments where I'm, I'm grateful that it pushes me out into the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think I was nodding along and we just live in a small two bedroom apartment and I'm sure people who have much bigger houses full of children and people and pets and things are agreeing the same this with the same thing um but I think you're right the difference though is I even find that I get stuck in my tiny apartment because I do have enough room to move around I can do yoga in the living room you know I can you know run around with the puppy a little bit um and I get stuck there and I forget to go outside because I also work from home and, you know, I could just be here for days. And so I'm a little jealous that you, you know, live in a place that pushes you outside. So I think that's a good comparison, a reminder to us as we're using our space and we think we have this space, but it can sometimes trap us. Absolutely. Yeah. You can get trapped in, in either way, but just yeah, I would 100% agree with that. We have actually done yoga in the in the tiny home before. <laughs> we oh, no. we put up a yeah, we put up a projector and moved the furniture and that was during my first pregnancy with Sunny. My husband was trying to give me like do something sweet for me and he moved the furniture and put up a big projector on the wall and so I did one of those like video at home yoga things. <laughs> so, so but I'm also only four, four foot 10, so it's kind of funny to just you know, I'm not, a, I'm actually very small in stature. So people have actually asked me like, do you like designing tiny homes because you're tiny? Um, oh. I think that's such a funny question. No, I mean, but yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I can see why from a branding perspective, that might be right on target, but that's not why. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Now people are going to be like, I'm over five feet tall. I can't live in a tiny house. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, no, don't think that. <laughs> My husband is completely average. Um, awesome. So, okay, we're in our like lightning round of questions. Um, what is your morning routine? Ooh, so well, these days it's very different with a one-year-old and a, and I'm thirty weeks pregnant. I'm getting up close to five every morning, um, which I used to be the girl that would stay up until three a.m. And that would normally be my creative hours were in the middle of the night. Now it's very early mornings because uh, with the baby, I'm, you know, I take her to work with me every day. So it's, uh, it's hard. I get up early basically um, and start my day out um, generally trying to catch up on emails. Um, Of course, coffee is involved always. 
Um, and I, I really kind of loved watching the sunrise. There's something that is so beautiful for our soul. It's almost like we were meant to watch the sunrise because it really starts our day out um, connected to the earth. And so, um, yeah, it's generally just me and the baby and the husband sleep till a normal hour. <laughs> um, I'm kind of shooting off emails and getting up and, um, you know, doing a devotional and just trying to start start the day off with uh, the right foot forward. So what does living a creative lifestyle look like for you? Oh, having an outlet that where you can use your hands. Um, I think, you know, again, our hands, and that can mean anything from creating a really delicious meal for your family and using your creativity in the literally in the grocery store uh, to painting something, to writing. There's so much value in writing. Um, I think it's just using our hands and and feeding our souls uh, by making something. The creativity can come in so many different forms and fashions. So what is your favorite resource for creativity? Where do you go to look for it when you need a boost? Mm. It's definitely, definitely for me, it's travel. Um, getting really outside of the space. You know, I, I'm, I'm most electrified and uh, alivened when I am out on foreign soil, hearing foreign languages. Um, being outside and just kind of, I feel like that's what helps me look inward. Um, I see, you know, new architecture, colors, uh, people, I would say people inspire me a lot, but traveling is number one, one hands down my, my favorite source of creativity. And that's why it's so important that I continue uh, traveling. And that doesn't mean it has to be even far. It can just be to the, you know, down to Fredericksburg or something, but just getting out and back into the world. I think it's very important to do that because otherwise we just kind of get stuck in this day-to-day routine. It's very easy to feel like, well, here I go. I get up, I go to work, I come back home, I cook dinner, I go to bed and I get up tomorrow and I do it all over again. And especially if you're, you have a family, it it feels even more so that way. But I, I think life should be filled with adventure. And so to me, that's what, you know, just that's my best resource is just adventure and getting out of my own walls. I could not agree more. So what is new with you? What new project are you working on right now? It's fall. What are you doing? Well, my husband and I are actually, uh, we started a YouTube channel um, gosh, I don't even know how long ago it was, maybe two years ago. Um, but we're really enjoying it. He's, my husband's a filmmaker and he, uh, he runs a YouTube channel for work and he, he came home one day and said, why don't we do this for ourselves that like you always get questions and people want design advice. And so we're, we're operating a YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Kim Lewis. And we give design tips and we just do it on the side for fun. And um, kind of also just to document life. If nothing else, it's going to be a really cool documentary place for Sunny to go, Sunny and the baby to go back to and look and see what mom and dad were up to when they were babies. Um, so it's been really, really fun. And I've found the YouTube community to be really inspiring and very progressive in their thoughts and 
um, a great place to go and learn from. I mean, I can't count how many times lately I'm like, oh, I don't know how to make that or do that. I've even fixed my truck using, I have an old 1977 uh, Ford Ranger that's bright blue and her name is Pearl. And one time I needed to change the carburetor and I, I actually did it myself um, through YouTube. And so, yeah, YouTube's been a really fun platform for us to work on together and something for me and my husband to do uh, creatively together. I think it's really important to like, if you have a spouse or you know, even just your best friend, just do creative things together. It really does pull people and creativity learn, teaches us how to like get through challenges and things like that. So it's really good marriage counseling, actually. <laughs> so we have to learn how to communicate and yeah, think problem solve and all of those things that we really enjoy creating together. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Oh, okay. Kim, we didn't even get through like half of my questions. I'm going to have to have you back on because this was such a fantastic conversation. Um, but I think you might even have a baby by the time this comes out in a few weeks. So thank you yeah. so, so much for, for being here. And um, we will we'll definitely try and get you back on sometime soon. Um, thank you for sharing all your wisdom. This was such, this was like one of my favorite conversations. Um, I just appreciate your time so much. And everyone, you can connect with Kim and follow her. Are you just Kim Lewis Designs on Instagram? Yes. That's right. Yes. And I had so much fun. It was great talking to you. And I love, I love just getting to connect. It is all about connection. I love getting connect to connect with people that really believe and talk passionately about creativity. So thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Um, well, we're going to have links to Kim and everything you need to know about her in the show notes at lauren-likes.com slash podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a fantastic week. Thank you so much for listening to How She Creates. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more about the show, please visit lauren-likes.com slash podcast and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to know when new episodes are out and to stay up to date with all of the crafty creative happenings around here. If you would take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes, that would be so helpful to let me know what you thought of the show and share with all your friends on Instagram by tagging me at Lauren Likes Blog and using the hashtag HowSheCreates. Until next week, I hope you get curious and go explore something.